I'm going to take my time this morning. I'm not going to be before you very long. I can't remember a, a message. I've had a burden to preach multiple messages, but there's something special in the house today. Come on, I, I, you have to take my word for it. There's something miraculous here. Did anybody come with a need? Come on, there's... The, there may be some people that's got all the answers figured out, but is there a few of us in here that really need God to step in? I have a very heavy burden to preach what I'm going to preach today. And as I was back there praying right before I came up, I, I can't even really describe what I feel right now. And I asked God to tell me, God, what, what, do, what do I feel in your house right now? God said, that's the spirit of grace. Now, for some of you, they might, that might not mean a whole lot to you. Come on, but I, I know some things that I've done that God had every right to leave me and abandon me. Come on, I, I've lived a few days in my life where I was not inside the will of God. Come on, and I needed a tremendous amount of grace for God to keep me. Come on, that spirit's here this morning. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be before each and every one of you. I count it a high honor and privilege anytime I get to preach to God's people. I want you to, each and every one of you, know that I love you. I love you this morning. As I said, I have a, a very clear and direct path this morning. At some point, I, I've got a lot of notes, but I want God to lead us today. Come on, I want, I want God to be in the midst of what we're about to do. I count it an honor to be in a church that has such a prophetic anointing upon it. Rock Church, do you feel the same way? It's an honor, but it's also a responsibility. I feel directed by God this morning to remind the church, if you're Holy Ghost filled, come on, and you're washed in his name, come on, would, would you help me this morning? Come on, do you remember the word of the prophet that said that Come on, we, we got to put some work in. And I, I'm just asking if I've got a handful of people. Come on, that remembers what it was like to show up to a church uh, where you knew, you knew that you were dying, lost, going to hell, and you felt uh, like there was nothing left good inside of you. Is anybody going to help this morning? Uh, Galatians chapter 5. I'll have one portion of scripture this morning. Galatians 5, and we'll start at verse 7. Ye did run well. The Bible says, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Come on, you, you, were, you were running well. But somewhere some moment there was a persuasion that was not of God to distract you from the call of God that's on your life. Before we pray, I want to tell each person that's in here, you, you may think it's a coincidence you showed up. Maybe this is your first time, but what I feel in the Holy Ghost, 
There's a lot of people under the sound of my voice. This is not your first time here. You've been wrestling in your mind and in your spirit about the will of God on your life. I came to tell you this morning, God's got your number. Come on, I, I came to help somebody in the Holy Ghost. You don't have to run anymore. Come on, you don't have to give up. You don't have to give in uh, to the lies of the adversary that says, uh, I'm going to be the same old person uh, that I've always been. I'm going to die lost. You don't have to be that person uh, anymore. There's enough grace uh, and mercy uh, in this house uh, for you to leave changed and delivered. With the help of the Holy Ghost, I'd like to preach to us this morning from this title, Hell's Greatest Preachers. Hell's Greatest Preachers. If we could lift our hands right now, Rock Church, if I could borrow your consecration, Rock Church, if I could borrow your voice, if we could thunder inside of this building to prepare the atmosphere for what some people are about to go through as a life-changing service. Uh, if I could borrow your voice and trouble God, God, we need you uh, right now like we've never needed you before. Uh, God, we feel the pull of the miraculous. God, we feel your spirit. Uh, God, meet with us in a mighty way. And everybody says in Jesus' name, you may be seated. Hell's greatest preachers. I ask myself, what do demons really look like? What do unclean spirits really manifest into? And I could say that, you know, Hollywood's made an attempt at depicting what we would call demonic creatures. And maybe that's what most of our minds go to when we think about the unclean spirits. We maybe think about, uh, you know, spirits that are slumped over and Maybe they're foaming at the mouth. Maybe they've got some type of unholy depiction on their, their face to where you don't really feel comfortable in their presence. Maybe the demonic spirits you think about, about uncleanliness and the things that are moving within there. Maybe they manifest themselves uh, into things that just scare you, uh, that would keep you awake at night. That if you, if you really saw them for who they were, if you really uh, understood that what you were looking at uh, was truly demonic forces uh, in demonic oppression, you, you wouldn't even stay in in the same room. Uh, you'd get in your vehicle. You'd leave. You would not uh, occupy the same geography as whatever that entity is that is unclean. And I, I could say, I, I'm not going to qualify a whole lot. You just got to take my word for it. Uh, I grew up in church, and I know that a lot of times uh, that the demonic spirits that we deal with and we wrestle with, uh, we'll treat them like they're a flashing sign uh, and a billboard, and that we'll know exactly uh, what we're going to deal with five miles down the road. We know uh, that when the devil comes uh, knocking at our door, we know that we'll be able with a surety to pinpoint what that devil is. Does anybody understand this morning uh, that the adversary is much too clever and much too wise to come before you uh, in a depiction of something uh, that you would recognize easily? Uh, on the contrary, most times uh, the adversary will present itself uh, in a package that you don't understand. Uh, in your moment of weakness, in a moment uh, I'm preaching this morning uh, about people you've been deceived, uh, you haven't Understood, God, why am I dealing with what I'm dealing with in my family? God, I pray to you. I'm trying to live right, but what's coming against me is evil. Yeah, what do demons really look like? Whew. What do they really look like? Because I feel like I myself have been stumbled upon uh, that I was trying to fulfill uh, the will of God and I had my eye uh, was set on not getting distracted. Uh, I had my eyes staying focused uh, on what God had me to do. Uh, but out of nowhere, I would find myself uh, in the midst of the presence uh, of demonic activity. 
Okay, well, maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm the only one that the devil's just really got my number. And I don't understand all the times uh, when the devil was coming up to me. But then when I get in a prayer meeting uh, and I'm begging and pleading, God, uh, will you tell me why I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with? Uh, God would finally say, son, uh, you're in the presence of an unclean host. Uh, you're in the presence of some spiritual warfare. And I know you didn't think uh, that you would stumble upon it. Uh, but I'm telling you, the devil is sly and wise to our habits. Come on, he, he, he knows our flesh. He knows he's been studying us like a good student for thousands of years. He knows he can't come to you uh, in the midst of the daytime uh, and tell you some things that you would know without a surety. Uh, I'm not supposed to do those things. Uh, that I'm not supposed to go those places. But he's wise. You know, I'm thankful for the moments when my life is right. Come on, I'm not, I don't, don't look at me as the preacher this morning. Look at me as a human being that makes mistakes. Uh, I'm truly thankful that there's some moments in my life uh, where I got it right. Come on, I'm going to preach this till you believe it. Uh, you haven't always made a lot of mistakes. Uh, there's been moments where you did get it right. Uh, there's been moments where you did say no. Uh, there was moments when you walked away. I'm thankful for those moments. Is anybody in the house grateful that you can remember there was some times in your life where you could say, you know what? I knew that was the devil coming and I withstood. I knew that was temptation knocking on my door. And I said, God, I'm choosing to live for you. I know there's been moments where sin was coming against me and I had just enough faith to deny the evil spirit. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I know what it's like to feel peace. Come on, you may not feel it right now, but you felt it before. I'm grateful that I know that when God steps in, uh, he still can change uh, my atmosphere. Uh, I'm glad I know what it's like to feel victory. Uh, and even when I didn't serve the help, uh, God helped me. Uh, I'm thankful that I know what it's like to feel uh, the power of God uh, in the midst of my storm uh, when I don't deserve it. Hallelujah. Come on, we've all had those moments. I said, we've all had those moments. I said, we've all had those moments. Come on, we've all had those moments. Somewhere along the way, we're human. I said, we're human. Come on, we, we, weren't, we were never meant to be made perfect. That's why God loves me. I said, that's the main reason God loves me is because I could not choose him, but I choose to live for God, even through my mess, even through my dysfunction, I choose Jesus. Come on, we all had those moments where we're fulfilling the will of God on our life. When we're not running from God, when we're not covered in sin, when we weren't overwhelmed by regret, in condemnation. Come on, but we've also, we, uh, we, everybody in this building has lived enough life to experience some dark and stormy days. Come on, we can just be real this morning. It's okay to say that you've been through some stuff. Come on, we ain't gonna take a roll around here and ask you to testify about it, but somebody needs to have in their spirit uh, that they recognize that it was not by me uh, that I'm saved. I'm glad God uh, has chose to save me. We've all had those stormy days. We've had some trials that if God really wanted to expose us, we didn't handle them quite well. Oh, well, amen. I said, there's been some trials that if God pulled back the curtains, we can act like we got it all figured out. But in reality, we squirmed around like a child, wondering when God was going to come to our call. Does anybody have that testimony this morning that God was still on time? Yeah, we've had some mountains we've had to deal with. 
Come on, even in our secret place. You know the place where we don't want God to show the light. There's been some addictions that we really don't even want to tell our friends about. There's some addictions our spouse doesn't know about. There's some things that I deal with in my own closet that if God was to pull the light back and say, I'm going to expose, come on, we would run for the hills. But I'm thankful that God allows grace and mercy upon his children. Yeah, dysfunction, every one of us. Come on, every one of us have dealt with dysfunction. And you may have your family together this morning, uh, but you know what it's like to live in a household uh, where your father didn't know how to deal with his anger uh, and your mother didn't know how to deal with her temperament. Uh, and neither one were disciplined uh, in the things of God, but by God's grace uh, and mercy, uh, you have found yourself uh, on a church pew this morning uh, looking for God's grace one more time. Hallelujah. Yeah, there's been some winds of confusion. I'm going to get there. Y'all got to help me. There's been winds of confusion that if you're not careful, you'll say, well, I guess I'm experiencing these trials through generational dysfunction. Now I can say I, I, I outreach and I go in the street and I try to reach the lost and I, I try to let God use me in whatever capacity he wants me to serve in. Can I tell you that without a doubt, the biggest lie the, from the devil is that because we deal with generational dysfunction that we can't be delivered. I, I came to yank the curtain back on the adversary. You may have been raised in an alcoholic's home, uh, but you can live for God. Uh, come on, the adversary wants to tell you uh, in your weak place uh, when you've had a long day uh, and that drink just seemed to take the edge off, uh, you can still uh, live for God. Uh, your mother may have been an addict uh, with needles hanging out of her arms, uh, but you can make it and live for God. Shout this morning if you believe uh, that you can still make it uh, with generational dysfunction. Hallelujah. Come on, you were doing your best. I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost. You did your very best. And it wasn't good enough. When I was praying over this, there was such a spirit of desperation that I felt. There's some people under the sound of my voice. You, you showed up to this service. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But you're in the midst of a valley. and you, You've got a decision to make very, very quickly because the adversary is on you. And there's condemnation that's breathing down your neck saying that, yeah, you gave it the very best that you could give it. But guess what, honey? It's not good enough. Come on, the people around you, they look at you. They know you're not good enough. They, you don't deserve uh, to be here. Can I just tell somebody? Nobody in this house deserves to be living right now. Uh, nobody under the sound of my voice deserves uh, grace and mercy. Uh, so before the adversary uh, tries to tell you uh, about how the righteous uh, are not battled in their spirit, uh, none of us uh, deserve grace and mercy. Come on, you did the best you could. Come on, through all the dysfunction you were exposed to, all the confines of your mind, that your construct, uh, that through your upbringing and the things you dealt with as a child, uh, all those things developed you uh, into the person that you are right now. Uh, and you gave it your best shot uh, and you said it wasn't good enough. I tried. God knows I tried. God knows I put the best foot I had forward and I still messed up. I messed up and I got exposed. Now people know who I really am. And I was trying to front because I didn't want them to think that I was just like the family I grew up in. Yeah, we tried. We tried, it wasn't good enough. You got right on the edge of your breakthrough. 
and you couldn't seem to get past all the spirits that were battling your mind and overcome long enough for your deliverance. I'm not picking on nobody. I'm telling you what you've dealt with. You get your hand on the door. You get right to the edge. Has anybody been there except me? You get, you get right to the edge. You can smell victory. You can feel power and dominion. You get right to, to the edge of it. And when my hand goes to reach the door, I just, I just can't seem to get a grip. It's like I'm in a dream and I don't have any control over my muscle and I can't even get the strength to open the door. preaching about hell's greatest preachers hell's greatest preachers I'm going somewhere give me just a minute you've probably been in this atmosphere before where God was calling you to change your life you're on the edge of a miracle you're on the edge of deliverance now I want to stop right here and just give a warning to the adversary if you knew what was about to happen, you'd pack up and leave. Come on, there, there needs to be some faith in the house. Uh, I, this may have been my 100th service uh, at the Rock Church, and I may have battled addiction uh, last night, but God, uh, if there's just a little bit of faith, uh, I believe that you can deliver me uh, this morning. I got just uh, enough faith uh, one more time. Uh, God, uh, I still need uh, my miracle. Uh, God, I still need uh, my breakthrough. God, uh, I still need you. I've been threatening the devil my whole way here this morning. I said, I'm going to fold you up like a fourth grade love letter. Come on, I'm going to put you in a box and ship you off to mail. But we've all had those moments, and I can feel it right now in the house. There's grace and mercy in the presence of God. There is anointing in his spirit, and the Holy Ghost takes over. Anything can happen. But, but the adversary starts to whisper, you'll never change. You'll quit like you always quit. Come on, you'll, you'll be just like your mother. You'll be just like your father. Come on, you'll, you'll always be depressed. You feel good right now, but when you get home, you'll always be depressed. You'll always live with anxiety. You'll never know what it's like to live in peace. And let me tell you what you're doing. You have started listening to hell's greatest preachers. The adversary will tell you what he has always told you. You'll be in an atmosphere like this where you can truly, I, I, really, I really do believe this. I don't just preach this because I've heard it. God can deliver you where you never have the addiction or the desire for cigarettes anymore. If you've got an addiction to any painkillers or alcohol, God can truly deliver you where you never deal with it ever again in the presence of the Almighty. You don't have to leave with depression. You don't have to leave with anxiety. You don't have to leave with dysfunction. God will deliver you. We get on the edge, and those voices start to whisper to us. I used to feel a little overwhelmed when I would feel the adversary to start preaching. I didn't understand it. The adversary would start preaching to me. The problem is I don't get worried anymore when I hear sermons from hell. God is about to heal in the midst of hell's preachers. I'm about to give you Bible for it, but I'm telling you, you don't need to get worried when the adversary starts to whisper to you uh, that you'll always be who you've always been. That is actually an indication that the miraculous uh, is about to take place in the midst uh, of the devil telling me that I'm no good, uh, that I'm a loser, I'm a has-been. Uh, God will deliver and heal in the 
of our storm. Life or death decisions. Life or death decisions. There was a prophet out of Judah unto Bethel for King Jeroboam. God gave that prophet specific instructions. He said, I want you to go there. I don't want you to eat bread. I don't want you to drink water. And I want you to go a different way than what you came. God was very, very clear in his instructions. I'm going to help somebody right now. God was very clear in the instruction. God did not speak again in the midst of the mission. In the midst of the journey, God did not speak again. That individual was left with the word that God had gave them. So the prophet, he goes to Judah and to Bethel for Jeroboam, and he leaves a different way. The Bible says that there is an old prophet in that city as well. The Bible says that the sons of the old prophet came out to meet the prophet from Judah. And they're conversating with the prophet you got to, this is actually pretty simple. The prophet told his sons everything that God had told them. Every detail. He said, hey, I can't, they invited him, said, hey, I need to go back with, you need to come back with us. He says, no, I'm on specific instruction from God that God told me uh, I didn't need to eat or drink and I didn't need to go the same way that I came. Uh, I must leave. And so the sons, they go back to their father's house, which is the old prophet. Old prophet, he hears about it. His sons tell him verbatim about what just took place. The scripture says that the old prophet tells his sons Get me a donkey. And the Bible says that the old prophet rode thereon and went after the man of God, found him sitting under an oak tree. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me. Eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. I find it very peculiar that that old prophet used the exact temptations that God told him not to touch. I, I'm telling you to the letter. He said, for it was said to me by the word of the Lord, thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor the word of God, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. He said unto him, I'm talking about hell's greatest preachers this morning. He says, I am a prophet also, just as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the same word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with thee into thine house that he may eat bread and drink water. Now this is what the Bible says. But he lied unto him. I felt this in the Holy Ghost. There's people under the sound of my voice. We haven't really made a commitment to God. We haven't really finally made the last final step to say, God, even if I fail, this is my church. Come on, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. 
You, the reason why you keep circling back to the same problems, uh, the same dysfunction, uh, is because you've allowed the adversary uh, to come between you and the anointing of God. Uh, the anointing of God flows from uh, a pastor. If there's ever been a voice in this generation uh, that's alive, it says uh, that we can have a buffet, uh, walk with God, uh, and I'll come to this church uh, for a few words from God that make me feel good, uh, and I'll go across town uh, because I like what they preach over there. Can I tell you, in the face of the adversary, I don't care what you hear preaching about you don't have to commit yourself to church. That's ungodly. It's demonic. It's oppression. You need a man of God and you need a house of God. I feel it running out the back door. Somebody's leaving here today saying, you know what, Bishop? I know I'm a man and I know I got my own issues. But as for me and my family, this is my house of God. I'm going to have some accountability to God and his kingdom. I'm going to have some accountability to God and his work. I'm preaching what I'm preaching right now for a reason. He says... I'm a prophet just like you. We're the same. If there's ever been a spirit that's alive right now, come on. There's churches having revival everywhere. Let me tell you where the devil's really fighting us at. It's in our commitment and our responsibility to a local body. I know you don't want to hear this. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, uh, the adversary knows that he'll get you to come to church. Uh, he'll get you to tithe and pay some offering. Uh, but there's something in our spirit uh, that does not want to be submitted. Oh, I know. I, I've got a direct word from God about this. Any decision that is not made in prayer is made in the flesh. I know you. I know we're all super spiritual and we walk with the Lord. I'm telling you, if you think you got an idea to where you can just uproot yourself and just transplant yourself on your own, if you didn't seek God and ask for prayer and meet with leadership and ask your, your pastor, God, I need a word and direction. It's of the flesh. Now I thought about this. I used to think, I, I know I've been called to serve. I, I will serve. I thought maybe somewhere in 50 years or so, maybe I, I will know, what it, I will pastor maybe. But then as God started dealing with me, church, you don't want to do that. Do you hear me? Everybody wants to deliver the word of victory. Come on, everybody wants to hear about how God's going to come in and intervene on my behalf, how the blessings are going to flow into everybody. Every pastor wants to preach that. I can tell you, it's almost all the pastors I know, their spirit, they, it, it, it truly breaks their heart. But I, I thank God this morning. Church, you don't, you don't really maybe know what we have. I thank God this morning that we have a man of God that through his own brokenness and his own ability, he says, I know they're going to hate me. I, I know they're not going to like me. And I want to be their friend. I, I, my, my heart's desire is to follow peace with all men. My only desire is that my people will look at me and see Christ. But I know that if I don't instruct them, oh, that's how I thought it would go. Come on, it's the instruction and the discipline that God has to give us to become that never feels good. It goes against your flesh. You'll reject it. You'll start looking for a church to tell you something different. You'll start looking for a place that's a little bit easier. Now I thought about this. I said people like that and just let me just say, I, I was one of those. We all were. Your flesh don't like to be corrected. Amen. Amen. I said, people like that who never submit to correction. That's like 
you needing a cardiologist and going to see the dentist. Don't tell me about my bad news. I know I got problems. I know I got addiction, but I didn't come here for you to tell me that. Can I tell you? There's some people here this morning. You need to fall in love when God starts to urge you and urge you to the edge of getting some things out of your spirit. That God loves you enough to send a man of God into your life. That you won't die lost. I said I'm preaching about hell's greatest preachers. And there's some life and death decisions in this house. I said there's some people who's about to make some decisions that will affect the rest of your life. And just because another prophet came to you, just because another preacher told you what you needed to hear, you don't think that other prophet was hungry and thirsty? Don't you ever trust the adversary in the midst of your trial? Don't you ever trust the voices of compromise in the midst of your journey? That's when the adversary works. You get a word from God. God tells you you need to do you need to change a few things and all of a sudden in the midst of your trial God starts to try to deal with you and there comes along the adversary preaching to you that you don't have to be submitted you don't have to change your ways you're, you're always going to be that way and I'll love you no matter how you are can I tell somebody this morning we've got to get it right before God I want to be right before God yeah, I find it convenient that in the midst of that prophet's journey, you see, because I told you, the devil's wise. Somebody on the street corner trying to tell you to go somewhere else, you ain't going to listen to them. Somebody, somebody that you don't really value their opinion they can't get in with you to deter you from the will of God. But can I tell you that the adversary will send a preacher to lie to you? I said the adversary will send some people your way uh, who do not have your best interest uh, at heart. And only your man of God uh, has been behind uh, the veil uh, with Christ uh, and says, I know there's some things uh, that if God hangs his glory on them right now, it will crush them. Uh, it'll make them backslide. Uh, God, thank you for our man of God. I know I'm staying here, but I feel this. That's where everything that you deal with comes back to this right here. It's actually so much more simpler than we make it. If God told you something, hear me, you know God spoke to you. If any other word that conflicts with that word, it's this simple. Pastor, you notice I didn't sit down with another preacher you notice I didn't get on Facebook and try and message somebody that could maybe see my side of things. You notice I didn't get on a phone call and try and find some people. Baby, because misery loves company. If you want to find some more preachers that'll preach hell to you, you just get on the phone. But where you need to get is in a prayer room and say, God, maybe there's some things I don't understand. Maybe there's some things I don't know. I need God to direct me. Hallelujah. I need God to guide me. Can anybody just agree with me that maybe we don't know everything? Come on, that maybe we don't have it all figured out? That maybe we're probably going to mess up if we do it on our own? It's life or death this morning. It's life or death. In the midst of your test, you know where you go for help. I'm going to go, go where I need to hear what my flesh is telling me I need. There was a man in the Bible, and I call it the spirit of Eliab. If we're not careful, hell will preach us out of the will of God. I said hell will preach you 
out of the will of God. You'll start to listen to the sermons of the adversary telling you uh, that you don't need to be submitted and that you don't have to be consecrated, uh, that you could be a wayward spirit uh, and just a vagabond and float uh, through the air of life and not have any responsibilities. Uh, but God has uh, a purpose for you. Uh, you have a will to fulfill on your life. Hell's greatest preachers, the spirit of Eliab. I'm wrapping up. David's oldest brother was Eliab. And you know the story. He goes to fight Goliath, and in the midst of it, Eliab says, what are you doing here? Who do you think you are? Can I tell you that that's just how hell preaches it? That right in the midst of your deliverance, when your deliverer shows up, when the man of God has a word for you, the adversary will start to put things into your spirit saying, who does he think he is talking to me about my own issues? Who does he think he is telling me about my family? What you need to say is, God, I start to sense that the miraculous is in the building. God, I feel your presence. And in the midst of the adversary, my deliverance has came. Old Eliab, he likes to preach to people in the midst of deliverance because he's dissatisfied with his own walk with God. He's dissatisfied with his own call of God on his life, with his own ministry. Has anybody ever experienced that, that sometimes the people that are trying to stray you away from church are people that are preaching to you that they have dysfunction in their own life? My Lord, I would not take advice from somebody that I wouldn't trust. I would have to go to somebody in a place that has my best interest, that'll tell me I'm dying and going to hell, that tells me I can't live in sin, that tells me I can be delivered. There was a man... The Bible says he was sick of the palsy. I'm going through these quick. I'm talking about hell's greatest preachers. You'll notice that in the midst of your deliverance, in the midst of your healing, in the midst of your anointing, when God finally touches you and says from this day forward, you're going to be mine. I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And you're going to know what peace is. You're not going to know what depression feels like while you're in my presence. There was a man sick of the palsy. And you know how it goes. He comes in. He's lying on a bed. And Jesus said, seeing his faith, he said unto that man, son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And here we go. We got the preachers that showed up from hell. And they said, you know what? This man blasphemes. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And Jesus said, knowing their thoughts, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts. Now this is why I love my God. I showed up for salvation. Jesus showed up for salvation. He said, your sins be forgiven thee. But when hell started preaching, Jesus said, not only is he forgiven, I'm going to heal him now. Can I tell somebody in the house uh, that in an atmosphere like this, uh, yeah, you can get saved. Yeah, you can get delivered. Uh, but I'm telling somebody, uh, you can leave healed. Uh, you can leave with healing uh, in your spirit, uh, in your body, and in your mind. Jesus said, just because hell showed up, he wanted to start to, to preach to my people. Not only am I going to forgive him and save him, I'm going to give him something that wasn't even supposed to go to him. I was gonna, I'm going to give him a healing that when people ask him, what did Jesus do for you? Baby, when I see people on the street, I tell them, I don't have time to tell you everything. You just need to get to God. Yeah, he saved me. Yes, he delivered me. Yes, he healed me. What does that scripture tell us about that man? You understand that sick of the palsy means that he was paralyzed. You know what Jesus tells him? He said, arise and walk. I know we don't like to hear that. 
Because there's something that, that anchors us to our pew in preaching like this. When there's grace and mercy in the house. And I know that if you just, if you just got the courage to take a few steps to where your deliverance is, God would heal you. But the, the enemy has come against our minds and our spirits uh, and says Sunday after Sunday, uh, you can come, but don't you dare walk to that altar. Uh, you can sit in the presence of God, but don't you dare uh, get enough courage to walk uh, to where the deliverer is. I'm telling somebody, uh, if you would just get it in your spirit, uh, you may think you're paralyzed by fear and dysfunction and that you're crippled I'm telling you if God believes you can walk you can walk if God believes you're not crippled you can walk you need to arise and walk hallelujah he told a paralyzed man to get out your bed and walk Come on, I feel that in the Holy Ghost. You've been telling yourself all week, uh, I ain't got the energy to even feel happy. Uh, come on, if I felt blessed, I couldn't feel blessed uh, because there's an anchor tied to your soul. Uh, you've been listening to the adversary. Uh, I'm telling somebody that if God said, uh, you'll walk again, uh, you'll walk again. Uh, in the midst of your dysfunction, uh, in the midst of your trial, God uh, can heal you. He told, yeah, yeah, yeah. He told a paralyzed man, I know you ain't felt those legs moving a long time. I know you ain't felt joy and peace flow through your veins in years. But when I get involved, when Jesus Christ steps on the scene, baby demons flee. His blood covers me. I can be healed. You may not have felt joy and peace in a long time. Can I tell somebody it's in the house? Come on, I'm telling you the deliverer is here this morning. Hallelujah. Blind Bartimaeus, as they come to the music. Blind Bartimaeus. You know the story. Jesus comes unto Jericho. There was a man begging. He cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the preachers from hell showed up with their sermon. And they which went before rebuked him that they should hold his peace. Some, there's some people that's close to you. You know that you can make it in your heart. You know that you have the strength to make it. But through your proximity of the wrong people, they preach to you discouragement that you can't make it. Can I tell somebody in the house you need to find some new friends? Come on, if they're not around me to lift me up and encourage me, baby, they're preaching from hell. They're trying to bring me to a place of burning. I'm telling you, we need to have people surrounding us in this last hour that if they're not uplifting me, telling me I can make it, having faith with me, they don't get any part of my attention. I'm not giving them no part of my day because my heart, my heart, my heart, is deceitful. They'll have me believing stuff about myself that God never told me. I said they'll be preaching things to me that I never was supposed to hear, discouraging my faith when I was supposed to be getting it right with God. I preached all this to get right here. I had a dream and I wrestled with God whether to say this. I know without a doubt, nobody's gotta come tell me, yeah, preacher, God was right. I know what God spoke to me. I had a dream last week and it was so vivid. It scared me out of my sleep. I woke up praying. 
It's like I was with them in person. There was two people in this church and before my very eyes, they committed suicide. And I asked God when I was praying, I said, God, is everything okay? Should I, should I call Bishop? Should I call him? And God said, no, I just want you to pray. It's a spiritual death. We're living in the last of the last days. If we've ever lived in a time where we need to make sure that we've got our life right with God. Come on, this is not the time to play games with God. This is not that. Come on, you're not in your 20s. You're not in your. You're not a teenager no more. You're living for God recklessly in the midst of Him coming back for His church. I felt myself screaming in the dream, and I couldn't. You know how I, I, you couldn't hear yourself, or, and you couldn't do anything. I was just there to watch. And as God started to deal with me about this. There's a portion of scripture that talks about the alabaster box. The Bible says, and behold, a woman in the city. And I'm so thankful that God saw fit to write this scripture like this. I'm glad he didn't put in there that a woman who was the son of a preacher, the son of a minister that had their life, to, part of the Levitical priest, I'm thankful that God chose to write it like this. Behold a woman in the city, which was a sinner. Yeah, she didn't have it right. Oh, matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus told him, if you had as much sin as she had, and I forgave you of that amount of sin, you would do what she did. Am I talking to anybody this morning that if you, we could be real, we've got an abnormal amount of sin that God needs to put under the blood for us. Come on, I, I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to portray uh, that I'm somebody that I'm not. Does anybody feel that uh, this morning? That there are some things that I need to get right with God. Uh, and I need God uh, to meet me this morning. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment. She stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. I'm closing. God spoke to me. That symbolism of spiritual death that I saw, You, you have said in your own heart that what I have left to give to God is so unpure. That's why you're feeling so desperate and worthless. Come on, that, that box of, it's the last things that you have. It's the oil that it is the culmination of a lifetime of good days and bad days. It's when I had it right and when I didn't have it right. And you're standing before God at this altar. 
The reason why you don't want to approach him is because you think God won't take what you're bringing him. I want to tell every person under the sound of my voice, there is no sanctuary in suicide. You, you hear me? There is no sanctuary in suicide. You feel unclean. The adversary has been preaching to you about your mistakes and all the shortcomings you made. That's why you let that blade run across your arm so that you can feel something. You feel so numb because the adversary has told you so many times, uh, you're just washed up. You keep coming here over and over again, bringing the same old offering. I'm telling you right now, Whatever you have, whatever you have this morning, God wants it. I'm telling you, God wants you just the way you are. Don't you dare sit in that pew and believe a lie from the enemy that says you've got to get in rehab first uh, and that you got to get your life together and that you got to follow some 12 steps uh, before you come to this altar and give your life to God. Uh, as they play this morning, uh, I urge every person in this house uh, to make your calling with God sure that whatever you have to bring to Him, God desires
resisting the call of God. Come on, if it's a hard journey, God knows I can make it. Come on, I'm not giving up. I'm submitting myself to the process. I'm submitting myself even when it hurts. I'm submitting myself even when I don't like how it feels. God loves me. 